lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to Your Church Friends Podcast. I am Chris. I'm Yurlich. All right, so I've been listening to uh, the Naked Bible Podcast. You always struggle with the name I do, because I always think like Naked Bible Project, and oh, yeah, that's I get the awesome. two confused. Uh, but I've been listening to Heiser's um, uh, episodes on First Samuel, and they have just been fantastic. Like, just all around uh, the history from starting with Hannah, why all of that like transpired with her to um, having Samuel and where Samuel was at when like God called and talked to him and just the state of the nation. Uh, it's just been really, really fantastic dig. And the only reason why I'm saying this is because as our podcast, I really like to think of us as a resource to help other people. Uh, go listen to that because it's just been really good. Any podcasts you've been listening to that have been really like just really stick out? I was just gonna say with with Heiser, because I started listening to him like right when he started the podcast and going through that early thing on Leviticus and going through is like I listened to I don't know how many hundred episodes of his like consistently that it became the thing is like I know that the first Samuel stuff is good. I trust them on all the stuff. I just struggle to like dive back into that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've touched base a couple times, but I haven't listened to him probably in, like, a year just because, like, just not in that spot. Yeah, oh, I bounce back. Like, yeah. I, sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, I need a break. I need to hear someone else's voice. Uh, I, think I, I, think, t- <laughs> I think with this one, though, what's made it real different is, like, so I listened to through his whole revelation thing, oh, which yeah. is fantastic. It's uh, basically not predicting anything, but saying Revelation in the Old Testament. Yeah, which yeah. is a great way to understand the book yes, way better. Yes, it is. Uh, but this one hasn't been your um, hour of him kind of like we've talked about mowing the lawn. Yeah, where you go over the same edge twice yeah. just to make sure. It's actually been a lot quicker. So okay. I think each episode's like 40 minutes tops. Uh, like I binge through, I, I'm all caught up and I've never caught up with this stuff because uh, I just kept listening. So this has been slightly different. Cool, yeah. Maybe I'll give it a listen then because I do need to switch stuff up. And no, I'm not going to reveal what I've been listening to. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Murdoch doesn't want to help any of you guys listening. I just don't think it's helpful for anybody. <laughs> I'm over here like, yeah, we're not going to pursue that. Yeah, we'll just keep going. All right, let's uh, dive into Titus. Yeah, it's a book. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Actually, uh, as I read through this, I, I thought it was interesting outside of a few key passages. Um, and, and this is just going back to like study of last week and what I read. Titus 2.11 through 14, 3, 4 through 7. The letter of Titus has been relatively ignored in the New Testament by scholarship. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I read that in the commentary and uh, it just kind of stood out like kind of when we were talking about, um, I think it was Zephaniah. Or like it's the most interwoven book of the Old Testament, like it mm-hmm. pulls from everything, but yet no one's talking about it anymore. Uh, that Titus kind of gets lost in that as well. And I, I kind of think it's because it's like, oh, I read Timothy already. It gets that, like I read Timothy and it's like, no, but Titus is actually slightly different and for a lot of reasons. This reminds me of uh, in the Old Testament when they get the directions for building the temple mm-hmm. and it's just like super detailed out. 
You're like, cool, I finally made it through that. Then a little bit later, you get all of the same detail because yeah. they're building the temple <laughs> and they're telling you how they made it the exact same. Like, I just read this. Yeah. So I can see how you're like, oh, no, I did Timothy. We're back in it. Yes, leaders, teachers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's like, uh, plus, I'm so close to that interesting stuff in Revelation. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a couple pages away. And it's like we talked about, uh, like for me, Titus, uh, Paul just used him a lot as a, like in Corinthians, he was his uh, the mob guy, are you laughing at yeah, that? I just laugh because I completely put <laughs> out of my mind. <laughs> Titus just throwing up a thumper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was his mob boss, and he went and did uh, special assignments in Corinthians, um, and then the council of Jerusalem. So, uh, really, Titus to me looked at like he was this special assignment guy. And uh, the more I sat on that for like the whole week, um, it's like when there's a tough task, you send Titus uh, because you know he'll handle it in a godly way. And it just made me think I really want to be like Titus. Uh, you know, he had a heart of a pastor. Uh, he has skillful diplomacy and earnest devotion to the church. And he was a devoted friend. And I'm just thinking like, this is why I know we joke that he's like the mob guy who goes and like takes thumper everywhere. But like, no, this guy actually had a solid heart for God. This is why he was special assignment. Titus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you look at that, even going to chapter 1, verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete was so that you would set in order what was unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So it's like, that kind of shapes mm-hmm. what's going on, as we, we talked about last time. So when you look at the type of person that Titus was, was that not only could you trust them to go out and do like what you were saying, but he would be able to have the discernment to find people to be able to suss out really where they're at. You know, that's some like pastoral work to work through issues or non-issues with people, um, be able to come in with wisdom, be able to look at like, cool, this person amongst everybody else, mm-hmm. like all those interpersonal skills and everything that comes into that. Also being able to teach them what they need in order to function in that role, as well as then look at the people who they would be functioning over and with overseeing and be able to direct those people towards like it's a really comprehensive task that was trusted to him yeah so yeah when you're looking at yeah he would send him some special tasks to be able to go because you know it's going to get done it's all of those missionary trips that we talked about last time where he was with paul in these different places paul knows that hey you've been around me with this you've seen what i look for in people you've seen how to handle discrepancies you know when people get into issues and different stuff and also i'm sending you into this place where there are a bunch of cretans so you're going to be dealing with you know beyond just all of the good stuff of finding good leaders and making sure everybody meshes well it's like you're also going to be in there with a bunch of bad teachers and a bunch of paganistic Mm -hmm. things that are going on so yeah i think that it's Obviously, that stuff is given in the book, but I think that when you start to paint more of that image of what's actually Titus's task and what type of person does it take to do those things, like it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. yeah. So when you say, I want to be like him, it's like, yeah, (laughs) me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, How do you want to jump into this? Right after you. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to kick it off with uh, the first four verses. I kind of find like this sets up the groundwork for... I try and start on five, and you go back to the first four. Go backwards. Paul, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now 
At his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of our God, our Savior, to Titus, my true son, in common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ. So uh, basically, I kind of went backwards because it establishes who Paul is, mm-hmm. his credentials, servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I, there's some things that stood out to me a lot more this time uh, from a God who does not lie. And as we look at, again, who the Cretans were, mm-hmm. uh, I think this is really why Paul is hitting that. Like, in order to establish anything, we need to establish that our God is the God who keeps his promises, who does not lie. Um, and then his message is of knowledge, truth, uh, hope that is all wrapped around grace and peace. And so uh, to me, I'm like, why is this intro so important? Because it's slightly different than some of Paul's other intros and letters. Mm-hmm. Um and to me, this letter uh, to Titus is it, basically like the quick setup guide. You know, like when you get a new device, you want the like, how can I set this up quickly? Uh, so you don't want to go through all the like long drawn up things or like a program downloading on your computer. Like which one do you want? The quick one or the one that has all the other stuff? Usually we want the quick one because we want it done the quickest. Um, but this is the quick setup guide to being the church. Interesting. Yeah, I took a pause because I'm like, not thought about it that way. So let me think about what you're saying. Yeah, so if we're looking at kind of the overview, because you're saying it's like the setup guide, right? So you have, cool, let's get church leaders, good church leaders. They ought to be teaching some sound doctrine going on, be working in good works, and then avoid false teachers. It's kind of like, so would you say is kind of like the what's in that setup guide? Yeah, because we see over and over again, there's this integration between right action and right belief, right? Like, yeah, the right actions are going to generate, or the right belief should generate the right actions. But uh, a lot of times we have the belief part down that isn't followed with the action. So in mm-hmm. order for us to be the church, uh, there has to be a connection between truth and godliness. And that's what Paul is pulling out from verse one. Like, the truth leads to godliness in order for us to have that life. And this is the complete opposite of the culture of Crete. We just talked about it, right? Uh, they were just accepted dishonesty as a fact of life. So when God is a God who doesn't lie, that's setting the, the contrast of like, hey, you people who are, uh, I think we joked about it last week, uh, the pirates code type thing. Yeah, and it's like yeah. these group of liars that are just liars. Um, what does he call them? He calls them rebellious, full of meaningless talk uh, and deception that they teach things they ought not to teach and for the sake of dishonest gain. And even one of their own prophets uh, calls them liars, evil brutes, and lazy. So the rebel rousers, full of meaningless talk, uh, out for dishonest gain, a bunch of liars, and they're lazy gluttons. And this is where, like we said, the special assignment, this is where Timothy is placed to do ministry. Uh, and it's a contrast to what God's people are. God's people need to be different. Their belief has to be shown in their actions. Um, and it's through this combination that they can counteract false teaching in the church is that uh, the difference between a false teacher and a real teacher will eventually be their actions. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Still just looking at it as like the quick start guide. And I think that because we're talking about, remember we were talking about last time that there was already churches established mm-hmm. and then even writing to Titus. So like, hey, it was unfinished. So like I'm sending, so it's almost like it's not the quick start on the mode of like really starting it starting it but it's ah can't think of the word like what would it be it's not like a start it right but it's get it right 
like that, a reboot or that something kind of a concept because so much of what's there and what's being said i don't know why you just triggered it when when you're talking about it is just so dependent on the start of it is the gospel mm-hmm. and when you're looking at the gospel and the gospel already being preached in this area and like in these churches to where you have like okay well god is god of truth he cannot lie and that truth is going to lead into godliness and then when you get in the next section looking at cool you need to find these elders and when you look at cool if you're on crete full of all of these liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, as we said, right? <laughs> Where do you find yeah. people of this qualification? Is These are people who have received the gospel, and really you're seeing the spirit work of the gospel to where you're taking people who were opposed to God, who are now being transformed to be children of God mm-hmm. and to walk and live like Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's like that's a level that's underlying the thing. So it's like, yeah, so you've gone out and you've preached the gospel and people are receiving the gospel. That's where I see use this now to establish some order within that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's like this is how... So I really had to think through it because I quick start guide, <laughs> and I'm like, how do I feel about that Like when I'm thinking through and it? And your yeah, brain yeah, yeah. didn't quick start guide. <laughs> that <laughs> coffee was really weak. I'm going to be disappointed if that was decaf. Uh, yeah, but it's really essentially like this is how we are the church. Um, yeah, so it's, I see what you're saying, like the establish, the establishment of the establishment mm-hmm. type thing, in it, or at least of order... Yeah, because yeah. it's like, a, this isn't how to build a church. He's not talking about like instructions on how to build one up, but it's how to be it. Uh, the church is the people of God and who treat each other properly and uh, go out and show the world what it's like to be a child of God. Uh, it's not a place where we go. The church is about how God's people interact with others. Uh, and I really love this. Uh, and I, uh, I started uh, thinking about it. It's like, Chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide uh, for urgent needs and not live an unproductive life. And it's like, we need to start getting this right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to get it right that this is how the church of God should interact with each other and the world, provide for each other's needs, um, and live lives that are productive for God's kingdom. Uh, so it's really about devoting to doing good. Uh, like making that our purpose so that we can meet the needs of others. Yeah, I think that that's one of those tweetable things, right? It's not about building the church, it's being the church. Mm -hmm. Like that's really the way of quote unquote building the church. Like, no, you have to be it. How did you say it? The believing and the action? Yeah, the right beliefs. Right belief and right action. Yeah, yeah, that's really the disconnect there. Hmm. I don't know why I'm in such a ponderous mood this morning. <laughs> well, it, it really even goes into uh, when you're talking about like the elders, because mm-hmm. it says an elder must be, and then we have a list, blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose child, uh, whose children believe and are not open to charge of being wild or disobedient. Uh, since an overseer manages God's house, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick temper, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, uh, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Uh, so like uh, a church, like we we're saying, this is like the elders. How do we find people like this? Um and we think these are the standards for deacons and elders. We even have them in bylaws, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is what a deacon and an elder must be. Uh, and, and I don't think that church leaders are being held to a higher standard. 
uh, I believe they're going to be judged more strictly, right? So James says, uh, not many of you should become teachers, may, my fellow believers, because you know that uh, we who teach will be judged more strictly. So it's not like this list that we just went over is the higher standards for leaders only. Like that list is the standards that we should all live by. Yeah. Like if you're going to find uh, leaders in Crete, it's not going to be, um, it has to be people of this list. But where do you find those people in that list? Like you were saying, it's in the church. So this list, we look at it and like, oh, uh, in order for me to be that, that's my ticket to being an elder or a deacon at my church today. And it's like, no, that should be you. Like, uh, let's look at the list. Blameless, uh, which one should we not be living up to? Right. Blameless, yeah. Uh, faithful to my spells, yeah. Uh, believing children who aren't wild and disobedient, I love the way the NIV says that. Uh, yep, not overbearing, yep, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain, hospitable, loving what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy. Like, what on this list is special for church leaders only? Where I come in with that, the difference between somebody who is in leadership or what the difference should be is that you've come to a point of mastery over these things because all of us you go to being spiritually reborn right and depending on how you're raised and what kind Mm -hmm. of things you're around and everything some of these things will be easier than others but when you're looking at somebody who's gone through the process and kind of achieved mastery in that that's who your leader is because we're all called to that life but you can picture say a ministry starts up and it's a men's ministry, right? And you have the guy who has blame for the things that he's living in his life. Uh, he's got whatever going on with his wife or people on the side. His children are just all over the place, right? Don't want to come to church, just like spiteful towards God. And he's just like, he still has the call for he himself to be a, to be a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't want him leading that men's ministry. Right. Now, and it's okay for him to be working through those things, Mm -hmm. but he should be, that's where it's just like, cool, who has worked through these things? Help this guy who needs to work through these things. But that's exactly my point, is that the standards aren't higher. It's not like this is a position for only those people. No, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. These are the things that we... have proven themselves Yeah, these are the things that we all should be attaining to. We all should be looking to hit these things because they're not... That's where we need these good leaders because if you don't have these good leaders and mm-hmm. instead you get the guys that come, you know, after that in chapter one, starting in verse 10, it's like, oh, these people who are needing help then end up getting taken advantage of mm-hmm. and going down a wrong path. That's where it even says that these false teachers undermine entire households, teaching things that they should not for the sake of dishonorable gain. So... Yeah, leadership is super important. Yeah, and it's all about just the right life. Mm-hmm. And that's really what he's hitting here because this list is all about character. It's not about uh, a competency. It's about character. Do you have the character? Uh, I like Chris Brown. He says this a lot, and I think he said it on our Samson episode, but uh, he talks about it's godliness over giftedness. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got this flip. This is why I brought it up the way I did. I think today in the church, we have it flipped. We look for giftedness over godliness. We look for competency over character. And that's why a lot of times there's struggles or leadership falls or just issues because we're not, these standards are like, these are the holier standards. And it's like, no, these are my standards. I don't need to be a leader to live up to these things. I need to be a follower of Christ to live up to those things. Um, But we look too much more at like giftedness over the godliness. Did I send you that clip of Tyson, 
Yes. Yeah. So Mike Tyson, he's talking, forget who he said that he was talking to about it, but basically like, I was like, man, everybody wants to be a great man. Like, but then I was around a bunch of great men and I realized that, how did he word it? He's like, none of them were great. He's like, they were great, but like, they weren't good people. Mm-hmm. He's like, so then I decided I didn't want to be great. I wanted to be good. And I think that that's kind of here, right? We can look at, oh, leadership, these great men that are doing great things because of competency and everything else. We're just like, no, no, no. You need to be a good man. Yeah. And yeah, that's, there's a lot. Like, if you're a good man, then you're going to go in these good works that Titus later talks about. Mm-hmm. But I still bring it back to on the island of Crete where everybody's Roman pagan mystery cults and everything else that's going on, where do you find these good men? Mm-hmm. And it's like, the gospel is what transforms. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you, are, and sort of take it into this thing of establishing a church, right? If you're looking and you're like, well, I want to help establish a church and I have this quick start guide. It's not, let me go find all of these competent leaders who can run ministries, who know how to do marketing, who know how to do this, who know how to do this. Because like then you're looking at the wrong thing and you're bringing it in and just like they might be talented in those areas, but they're not having these. Um, what would you just call these? Character. They don't have the character. Yeah. I, I say this and I'm not saying it to blast anybody, but I've heard this um, about a church and it, it never sat well with me uh, that they would hire people to play on their worship team. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really necessarily look for character as much as they did like how good each person played an instrument. Right. Just to, and, and I'm assuming that in their mind that it was about like if you have great music, you create a great experience. Um, but when you're looking at worship as being a place that draws people into the Holy of Holies, how can people get drawn into that presence of God if the people leading it have no idea what it means? And it's... It's really just comes down to like that idea that like we need to look more for character. Like you said, are we going to look at all the people who could do the things or are we looking at the people who have lived a life that's like going to want to people to look at that and be like, hey, I want some of that. Um, even that list, it, it's in chapter two, uh, the about the, we, I think we talked about it last week a little bit. The old man uh, should be tempered, worthy of respect. And then it goes through like the old men, the o- older women. Um which I really found interesting. Uh, and then the younger women, um, but the older women, where was it? Where it said that they shouldn't uh, be uh, drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, <laughs> And this is just a side note, but the women of Crete were just like throwing them back, like left and right. Like that's, again, yeah. that's Crete. <laughs> yeah, the reason you address it is because it was going on. Yeah. yeah. And then it breaks down into like the younger men and the old, and, uh, teachers and slaves and like how you should live it's basically uh, a bunch of lists of of like this is how you should live and none of them are like crazy they're fairly generic uh things it's encouraging believers to be faithful it's honorable it's self-controlled and to be aware of uh where they are in the standards uh and where they stand in the social order of the day um and it's just, again, it's, it's just this character. The right life always comes from the right character. And I also found it interesting that in Titus, the word self-controlled is mentioned seven times. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I really believe that in order to have the best character, it's coming from self-control. 
Like it's coming from a place that I'm not exploding when I should or uh, overreacting in a way that I shouldn't. Yeah, you don't let the intrusive thoughts win. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who was it? Was it, I think we had like a guest speaker at the church, but or it may have even been Pastor Ken, um, where he said, uh, your, your mind is like a neighborhood um, and it's a rough neighborhood, so you don't want to go in it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you were saying, the intrusive thoughts, you don't want to let them win. You, you got to be self-controlled. And I really think another way of doing that is linking up with someone and having someone who you're accountable to. But really, uh, it's, it's just the church should be filled with people who are loving God in extraordinary ways because of the Spirit. Um, it, and it doesn't matter if you're smart, talented, or gifted. Uh, if you're not loving, it means nothing. Right. So that's kind of the completion to the thought yeah. that I had is that if this is the quick start guide, it's like, yeah, these are the people that you're looking for. And it's not how you said, oh, all the talented and everything. It's no, it's this. The purpose of the church is the gospel. Right. And it's to promote the gospel and to see the full efficacy of the gospel in someone's life. And there's also what you see is the the expectancy and the reality that it was happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This wasn't just like a, oh, let's go try this in this neighborhood and see if it works. This is like, no, they had gone around establishing churches all over the place. And just the realness that you can go into a place like Crete, where everybody's off doing their own thing, preach the gospel. And then coming from the preaching of the gospel, you have men and women like this. And it's just like, that's real. And it happened. And then as people progress in that, they're turning around and teaching others to do the same. And it's just like, it's not just like, how do you quick start the church? But it's how do you quick start a revolution in humanity? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Reach the gospel, get these people. And it, it, I think that when you got into chapter two there of just recognizing the order of like older men to younger men, older women to younger women, because... There are definitely younger people who can be more mature for their age or know a lot for their age or different things. And it's not to discount any of that, but I think that there is just something to those who have more life experience and have seen more and been around more. And um, when that's partnered with the gospel and with obedience and with the self-control is that I still think it could be collaborative but just the natural thing here that, no, you should have those who have gone through and you should respect their opinion and what's being said and being able to feed down and get that chain going so that you can continue that, right? Because if you're looking at something that's just being established, then you're going to have a bunch of people around the same age who generally know the same stuff. But then as you continue to grow from that point, it's like, all right, well, I'm older, I'm having children, I'm teaching my children, I'm teaching the other kids in the neighborhood and that kind of thing. And it's like, it's starting to establish that chain link. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, younger, I had a Mustang. So if someone cut me off on the freeway, I would do my best to drive in front of them and then cut them right back off um, in a very unself-controlled manner, right? Uh, but then one day I was driving with my dad and someone did that and he could see I was like visibly frustrated and he was like you know it doesn't matter that they did that and you try to get around them at the end of the day you're still going to get to where you want to get to at the time you need to get to it and I was like oh yeah all right whatever old man 
And now I drive a Prius and someone does that to me and I'm like, they're just wasting gas. I'm over here saving $50 on yeah, on eco mode. Uh, but it, it is that wisdom of an older person, like you said, life, that they, they give you that advice that makes you think. And it does help. Like a lot of it was trickling down with self-control. Like the older people teach the younger people mm-hmm. how to uh, respond properly or godly, um, how to respond godly in situations where our flesh does want to rage out sometimes and say like, no, how dare you talk to me that way? How dare you approach me that way? Um, How dare you come at me in a certain situation? Um, Because eventually all of that is about me, 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 and me, and it's my pride that's reacting and not God's presence. Mm -hmm. All right, I think that's a good spot to split this episode. So we'll split this episode and save the rest of the conversation for the next episode. So I'm Chris. I'm Yurdu. We're your church friends. Thanks for listening. Habakkuk, Nahum, Obadiah, Jude, Philemon, Haggai, Amen.